Welcome to Kids Doc Talk with Dr. Jenny. Dr. Jenny is a board-certified pediatrician and is the director of telemedicine at Pediatric Associates. Welcome to Kids Doc Talk with Dr. Jenny. Today's guest, Dr. Crystal Jerry, joined the Pediatric Associates family of companies in the summer of 2020. She graduated from the University of Texas School of Medicine at San Antonio in 2011 and completed her pediatric residency at the Children's Hospital of New Orleans in 2014. Her interests include newborn care, child development, mental health, preventative medicine, asthma, and allergies. Dr. Jerry enjoys reading, traveling, and spending time with her family. Welcome, Dr. Jerry. Hi, Dr. Jerry. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. I'm excited to talk about mental health. We've been doing a whole series on um, on mental health and children uh, for the month of mental health awareness. So I, I wanted to bring in another general pediatrician so we can kind of talk um, talk a little bit in more broader terms of what mental health means for our patients. So first, tell me maybe a little bit of some um, common mental health issues that you see in, in your patients. Yes, for sure. You know, um, I'm here at the MD Kids Pediatrics uh, Clinic here in Beaumont, Texas, and uh, we do see a lot of common um, like ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorders um, in our, you know, especially in our six to 12 year old. Uh, that is something that we do see pretty commonly um, here in our clinic. Um, we also see also a lot of depression and anxiety as well uh, there in our, our population. Okay. I find that a lot of times when a parent hears that diagnosis, they automatically think that either a therapist or a specialist, like a psychiatrist, needs to get involved. I think a lot of times that's true, but many times I find that pediatrician is like the first step in kind of having that discussion with the parent. What do you see as like the role of the pediatrician in at least identifying um, the, the mental health issues that you mentioned? Absolutely. I think it's definitely important, you know, for parents, of course, to bring their children to their regular, you know, annual checkups there and then to discuss any concerns that they have about, you know, their child's behavior with the provider. And I think that should be first steps that way they can get the support and the care that they need um, in the direction as well um, there. Um, as far as like your pediatrician, of course, you know, our responsibilities are to, you know, to perform screening, you know, uh, tests to check for, you know, developmental delays and also mental health disorders too. And then we can provide referrals, you know, when needed uh, in terms of uh, that or discuss treatment plans and options for different diagnoses. I'm happy that you mentioned well visits because I think some parents really struggle um, with recognizing the importance of the annual well visit unless either they have a specific concern they want to bring up. So, right, they ha they're incentivized to come in for that visit or unless they need a form for school. I sometimes find that certain ages are really, really hard to get in um, for, for those checkups because understandably it's a busy time. Like if we're talking about the summer, which is mostly when the back to school rush is, sometimes parents just forget because it's not a priority. But how often are you identifying mental health concerns on the well visit and the parent really was is surprised by that like how often is it sort of new information for them 
you know, it is pretty common, I would say, um, you know, as we're going through the developmental screenings and we're finding, you know, things that are, you know, checked off uh, and then trying to clarify or readdress this with the parent, you know, it does bring up questions and then those, you know, it leads to more discussion. And then from there, you know, the parent becomes more informed or, you know, has a discovery that, you know, maybe they do have a concern, you know, about their child's behavior. So, you know, I definitely think for sure the checkups and bringing your concerns to the provider is, is very important. Yeah, I think it really reinforces the importance of those annual love visits, even if the child is doing fine and you think they're healthy and everything's fine and maybe you don't need a form for school that like right this one year, um, it's really still important to keep keep on top of those well visits, especially as we get into the older patient populations where maybe they're not as likely to share right certain information with parents. And um, like you mentioned, sometimes those um, diagnoses ends up really revealing themselves on those critical appointments. Right. Absolutely. So let's say that a parent does think that something is wrong. What in terms of mental health, right, for their child, what are some strategies that um, they can use at home to either extrapolate more information or really support their child's mental health? I think it's important to talk to your child about how they're feeling and asking open-ended questions in terms of, you know, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? What can I do to make you feel better? And then also in terms of supporting your child's mental health, it is important to try to provide, you know, as much as possible a stress-free environment or to reduce the stress in your child's life. Um, there, um, you know, studies show that, you know, stress and trauma do can trigger, you know, your child's mental, your child's mental health. There, it is also important to um, increase your child's physical activities and, and work to improve family wellness there, uh, doing family fun activities uh, and encouraging, you know, of course, also good sleep at night and, and well, healthy diets. I think that a lot of times, at least the parents that I'm seeing and I'm thinking you have a similar experience when I propose the idea that they may have a um, a mental health diagnosis, whether it's ADHD or anxiety or depression, the there's a, still a little bit of, of stigma to that diagnosis. They, they aren't thrilled that their child may have this diagnosis because now, right, there may be a little bit of stigma associated with specifically in terms of medication. So I have had a tremendous amount of challenge getting families to accept the diagnosis because they're very, very nervous that now um, their, their child, it automatically means, right, that we're going to try and medicate that child. Do you, do you have similar experiences and how do you approach those families? Absolutely. I always lead with, you know, talking to parents about let's just make sure we figure out what's going on with the child first, because, you know, diagnosis, you know, the proper diagnosis is important, at least some more awareness. Uh, for example, if a child does have ADHD, you don't necessarily have to jump to medications right away. I do feel like having if that diagnosis is there, you do need to, you know, identify it because then you can have the child have accommodations, you know, provided for school and extra support and assistance that can help them be more successful academically. Um, you know, I always talk to parents about, you know, medications and side effects and, and, and tell them that, you know, we don't necessarily have to jump to that right away. There are other options that can be considered, including, you know, behavioral therapy and counseling as well. For sure. I always tell people that the diagnosis is um, 
a tool, right? It's a tool that helps you get right the services that you maybe need at school. It helps a tool that helps you get the therapies that you need to feel better. And then medication and therapies and all those things are also tools. And they're tools to help that child, right, be productive and, and really overcome um, the challenges that they're having. So um, I think I think that approach tends to work tends to work well. You mentioned um, stress and anxiety and how sometimes those will trigger um, or increase the likelihood that a child is going to develop mental health issues, how can parents help their children cope with stress? Because unfortunately, that's part of our daily life, right? We're not going to eliminate stress completely, nor should we. But what are some tools that we can give children to cope with the, their daily stressors? Absolutely. So, you know, just also, you know, fostering a, a nurturing environment is important. Uh, making sure that your child is getting the proper amount of sleep each night as well. You know, eating well, you know, reinforcing, lots, you know, regular physical activities at least an hour a day you know, limiting screen time, um, encouraging family fun activities as well, you know, um, is important and, and quality family time. Um, listening to music sometimes, calming music can help. Uh, maybe um, also too, kids yoga, it's also been discovered to, to help kids who do stress work from stress and anxiety um, there. And then there are some tools too that parents can um, find, you know, with uh, reliable um, websites such as like cdc.com, the National Academies has like toolkits for parents and strategies uh, that they can use to like it's forms of cognitive behavioral therapy to help with like addressing negative thinking, things that parents can do to help. Uh, in terms of when they're feeling anxious or nervous. Okay. I I love that. I think those are all really probably fantastic concrete ways that uh, parents can really help build some, some resiliency into their children's lives. It's hard for me to talk about uh, mental health without asking about or thinking about um, social media. And I think that organically comes up. And I think every conversation when we talk about children's mental health, um, what do you think the impact of social media or technology in general is on, on children's mental health? Um, we have definitely seen that there have been some negative impacts with social media. Um, for example, increases in cyberbullying, you know, um, increases with online sexual predators, uh, increases in pa uh, patient uh, pediatric population, depression, anxiety, obesity, uh, you know, kids who are on social media a lot sometimes can experience, you know, issues with sleeping, um, you know, not doing well academically at school. Um, and then even to, you know, in our teenagers, sometimes there can be increased risk for sexual behaviors and, and substance use. I mean, for, you know, we, of course, we live in a digital era, um, which is, you know, has its benefits and it has its risk. And, you know, for many of us, you know, social media has been integrated into our lives. And so the thing is, though, children can fall susceptible to those negative influences of social media and, and, and it can greatly affect their mental health. And so there just has to be this healthy balance, I feel with limitations on social media for kids uh, to help, you know, avoid those dangers there. Do you have any concrete limits or kind of how do you how do you guide families that you see in terms of like how to have the conversation with kids? What's appropriate in terms of limitation? Because there's obviously like a spectrum, right? You can have families who say absolutely right. No technology, no social media, like no smartphones, etc. And then you have parents who are like here, they needed to communicate. And like at this point, right, the whatever the, the genie's out of the bottle, can't put it back in. So how do you how do you help parents like navigate that kind of balance? Because I, I, it's probably tough. I mean, I don't know. My kids are little. They don't they don't. This isn't an 
issue yet, but I imagine as it like comes down the pipeline, I think it's going to be really challenging to implement boundaries with this. Right. Absolutely. And it is hard, you know, because every child's situation is a little different. You have some kids who a lot of their schoolwork is on, you know, the computer and, and whatnot um, there. So I think, you know, parents just have to, you know, figure out, uh, you know, what works best in terms of, you know, their limitations. I would encourage parents for sure to watch the social media programs that their children are looking at for supervision, uh, try to evaluate the social media, the games, the videos that your child is going to be, you know, working on or using in advance to assure that it is appropriate. Um, you know, I think more so counseling too, especially with your older kids and your teenagers about what you're posting online. Um, because sometimes if you overshare information that can have, you know, affect you very negatively and sometimes it's not able to be deleted. Um, in terms of limiting, limiting screen time, you know, you, you know, there, you know, certain rules about, you know, two hours and whatnot, but, you know, it also comes down to what works best with your family. I know healthychildren.org does have a media use plan that you can actually, you know, go and, and kind of uh, establish to kind of design your own family media plan. And I think that sometimes can be helpful kind of with setting limits for your family. So I have to say, I used to recommend that to parents all the time. And very recently, maybe about a year ago, um, I tried it at home with my kids. So my kids are um, 11 and 7. I think they were 10 and 6 at the time, my big kids. And we like did the whole like, you know, right, you sign a contract with how much screen time, right? You're sort of like, okay with and we had a whole discussion. And I think they found it, especially at that age, like very empowering to like have a voice in the discussion right so it wasn't just me coming down and saying like two hours a week take it or leave it like this is how it is it by the way but at the end we still got to the two hour like the the end goal was still we're only going to do two hours a week but they kind of got there on their own and i think that also i found to be like very eye-opening that when children feel part of the process for setting limitations i think in any context that it's much more likely that they are going to stick with it because now whenever they ask for additional screen time i'm like hey like it's out of my hands like you, you guys decided this like remember we signed the contract there's a whole thing this is your idea like I, you know i don't make the rules so i i think that also ends up being um much more effective than than someone just saying like right no smartphone no social media like no whatever no no cartoons etc um how about just approaching mental health in general like having that discussion with um with kids how can families foster that open communication and all these things that right you're you're really a proponent of how how do parents kind of like build that relationship at home um i think in terms of discussing mental health with your child definitely provide a safe environment you know for your child to discuss his or her feelings uh, where they can share openly with you without feeling judged or uh that they're going to be you know ridiculed or fussed at um, you know, definitely ask open-ended questions that way that gives a door, allows them to express themselves a little bit more um, to you um, in terms of, you know, how they're feeling and, and what you can do maybe to support them or help them feel better. Um, parents, you know, should definitely, you know, listen to their child too and, and also remain calm and positive. I know sometimes it can be very frustrating, you know, to have these discussions and talks with your child, um, but, you know, just letting your child know that you are definitely here you know, to support them and that you, you know, love them, I think, you know, does go a long way. I love that. That's excellent. Thank you. Anything else, any like pearls or takeaways, anything you really want to make sure that families walk away from this conversation knowing? I think 
just recognizing definitely the signs and symptoms of some of the most common mental health disorders in children. Um, you know, for sure, you know, if your child is actively suicidal, then of course that is a medical emergency and, and you, you definitely, you know, need to go to the ER right away or, or call 911. Um, but, you know, for sure as well, talking with your pediatrician about concerns that you have, you know, regards to your child's behavior and mental health, that way that you're able to provide, uh, obtain the proper care and also support. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. It was always wonderful to speak to um, another general pediatrician who is like on the front lines of seeing these families. And I really, really appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for joining us on Kids Doc Talk.